Good morning. I know this is my first week being able to uh, do this in a little bit different format, and um, I, I couldn't. I was talking to my wife and talking to Dale and Tanner about it this week, and just the idea of preaching while sitting down is. I just could not get that through me, and so I'm standing up. Uh, we've got a little setup here, and I thought we'd come to the church and remove distractions from me, but also um, probably from you all as well. Um, so we're so we're gonna we're gonna go, we're gonna go with this. Um, we're gonna start a brand new series this morning. Um, a, a new series. We just finished spending three weeks as, as Tanner talked about why Jesus. Why did Jesus come as, as a man? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to rise again? And, and then right after Jesus rises again, what we see is he gives these commands to his disciples. Jesus tells them, hey, go and make disciples. Hey, go and to all the world and proclaiming my name. And we see a lot of that playing out through the book of Acts. And we're going to start a journey through Acts. But it's a little bit different than we've often done here at CRC. Because we've often taken a book, whereas Matthew or James and, and different books like this that we've walked verse by verse through. And we're going to do it differently. Acts, we're going to spend 10 weeks walking through Acts. And we're going to be able to see different ways that we see that God is building his church. Things that, that, that God is doing, not that, not that the disciples are doing, not that man was doing, but ways that God was building his church. And so we're going to um, look, look at, at this. We're going to see, uh, up there on the screen, you'll see just a couple different examples of how God does this. And I'm not going to spoil everything and give you every example, um, but we're going to spend 10 weeks doing this. Because again, God is building his church. And so as we get started this morning, you would expect to see like the first plan of God that says, go, go and do this. Hey, go and preach the gospel to these people. Go and, and do these mighty works. That's what we would expect. But what was the first step? I just want to show you in Acts 1 verse 4. As we get started, the very first command that, God, that Jesus gives to his disciples. It should be up on the screen. Acts 1 4. It says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Four verses into Acts, four verses into this book that we're going to study, we see the first command that God gives. We see that God is going to build his church through waiting. God is going to build his church through waiting. And it's, that's countercultural. That's against how we would probably design something, how we would build something. Because in 2020, we don't wait well for anything. Like so much of our culture is built on not having to wait. We live in a world and a culture of immediate gratification, right? We want something. We go and get it. Like, that's what I think all that's going on right now, this is so difficult because we can't go get it just like we wanted to. We, we're not, we're, this is a difference for us because things are closed. Things are slowing down. We, we're out of routine. And I'm sure this has been true of every generation, of every culture, but I can't help but think that's a little bit exaggerated, even more now in 2020. I mean, think about your phone for a moment. 
Like, these things are built on us not having to wait for anything. Breaking news, ding. Somebody likes your Facebook post, it goes off. A package is delivered to your house, it goes off. Text message, whatever it is, we're constantly notified of things going on right now. I mean, I ordered a book off Amazon this week for 50, in 15 seconds. Search, choose, buy now. And then I got really frustrated that it said my package was going to be delayed because it wasn't a necessity. Like, it told me it was going to be, like, May before this got here. And I was like, what is, this is not Amazon Prime. But it's because we're used to this instant gratification. We would shudder. We, we scared the idea of living in a world without cell phones, without delivery service, without instant messaging capabilities. And I, is that, so we don't, is that fear because we wouldn't feel connected? I think that's probably part of it. But I also think it's because we wouldn't be able to get things now. News now. Communication now. And, and, and we're, we're scared. But listen, God has always, always worked through periods of waiting. God has always worked through periods of waiting. And most of us probably don't want to hear this, myself included, but God's plan has so often included waiting. And God continues to work through this. We can spend a long time looking through biblical examples of God working through the waiting. But think about Abraham. God promised to make his family into a great nation, Genesis 12. But Abraham waited over 25 years before he even had one child. Think forward to Joseph. Joseph waited in jail for approximately 10 years before God would move. Or what about the Israelites in Egypt? 400 years of waiting. David was anointed king, and it was over 15 years before he would actually become king. The Israelites in exile would wait 70 years to become back into the land. And then they would wait for this promised Messiah, and God would basically be silent for 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Bible is full of examples of the people of God waiting waiting for God to move. Like, we shouldn't be surprised as we look at Scripture to see that the first thing that God says to do is wait. It's not just that God is going to include waiting in how he's building his church, but he's beginning it with waiting. I want to read Acts 1. I'm going to read 1 through 5, and then we're going to actually go through 8 here in just a minute. So Acts 1, 1 through 5. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Take a moment and just imagine yourself as one of these disciples. Your, your friend Jesus has just died. You witnessed this. He then died, it would be buried in a tomb. And you would experience this grief and this sadness. But then Jesus has just risen from the dead. 
Your best friend is alive, and you've got this excitement. You're like, man, this is amazing. Jesus is alive. <coughs> this is not just an ordinary day. And look what, they, look what they ask him. Let's go on to verse 6. Look what they ask him. Says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, they're like, all right, it's, it's time now. Like, you're going to reign. They're ready to go. That Jesus just conquered death. Like, what else could stop them? But then look at Jesus' response. I'm going to read 6 through 8 now. Well, we'll start in verse 7. He said to them, It was not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and to all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Like this is basically the great commission of Acts, right? Like Jesus says, you are my witnesses and you're going to go in all the world and proclaim the good news of the gospel. And the rest of Acts that we're going to go through over the next nine, ten weeks is going to be this, this story of God changing the world through this group of disciples, through the church. But imagine all these emotions going through your head right now if you're the disciples. They've just experienced the death of their best friend, the resurrection of their best friend. And now, what does he tell them? He says, to wait. I want you to wait. Just think through the disciples again. Like, think of what they've done. If we, you think through the Gospels, they've already gone out, provide, they, they healed people. They've been going out doing all these signs and, and these wonders. They've cast out demons. Like, they're like, yeah, we're ready to go. But wait. But wait. Like, do you resonate with this at all? Like, have you ever felt that God was wanting you to do something? That God really wanted to use you in this way or that way? That God had put this desire in your heart for something? But he said, wait. Like, it can be frustrating. It can hurt. It can be hard. When we have desires, which we think to be God-glorifying, but God says to Wait. And these, often I think these, these, these come through plans not working out, through, through things just not going how we want, we can't proceed. But I feel like God uses these types of things to say, wait, wait for me. I'm going to do something. I'm, 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 I've given you these desires, but wait for me. I can't help but think that his disciples would have had a bit of this feeling too. But, but what I want us to see is that in the waiting, in the waiting we're seeing in Acts, and I say that the waiting we see in our own lives, it does not mean that God is not working. Because God is working in the waiting. I put up on, it'll be on the screen, it's not so much a point as much as I think a fact, that we do not wait well. Like, we don't wait well. And, and we see this in Acts, too. Like, there's examples of how not to wait. Fast forward to Acts 7. Remember, we're not going verse by verse. Yeah, we started in, ver in Acts 1. <coughs> but fast forward to Acts 7. By this point in Acts, the church has exploded. Like, thousands have been saved. Thousands have been added to the church. And God is doing amazing things through the disciples and through the church. 
And in Acts 7, we see this passionate speech by a guy named Stephen. And if you've ever read Acts, this is one of the most thorough explanations of what God has done throughout history. Like Stephen starts pointing back to all these promises in the Old Testament, how God was working in the waiting. I mean, he says, I was working, God was working when Abraham, with Abraham. God was working with Joseph, with the Israelites in Egypt. And then he spends like 20 verses talking about Moses and Moses' role in Israel's history. I want to just read Acts 7, 38 through 41. It'll be up on the screen for you, but Acts 38 through 41. This is, Moses has gone up on the mountain. Remember, he goes up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. <coughs> he goes up on the mountain, and then the people get impatient, right? They get impatient. They're there for 40 days, and they just can't wait. So Acts 7, 38. It says, This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness when the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with his fathers, he received living oracles to give us our fathers refused to obey him, but thrust him aside, and in their hearts they turned to Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make for us gods who will go before us. As for Moses, who led us out from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has come from him. You see what happens here? Like, they could not, they would not wait for Moses to return. Instead of waiting, they, they took things into their own hands. Think of what God had just done. God had just saved them out of a land of slavery. God had just done this in a mighty way with the plagues and the exodus and all that we see. They spent 400 years there, and God had just rescued them. But 40 days go by, and they say, we can't wait. Let's do this ourselves. Let's make a golden calf. How ridiculous is this? And it's almost as if the religious, like Stephen in his speech, is saying to the religious leaders, look what happens when we take it upon ourselves. Look what happens when we don't wait. But before we too quickly condemn these Israelites, I think that we get, we have the same feeling, the same temptation when we're told to wait. Have you ever felt that in your heart? Like, I just don't want to wait for God to act. I want to go this route, and he's stopping me. I just want to go do it. And we can very easily build our own golden calf. And I think we do this sometimes with the best of intentions. Like, we say, no, there's a roadblock here. I'm just going to keep going for it. I don't want to wait. Think back to Acts 1. These disciples, remember, they've just been told to wait. Think how easy it might have been for them to take this ministry and run with it. Because God gave them this global plan and said, I'm going to send you out into the nations, from Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. But God says, wait for my timing. So we see that there's great plans, but if we don't follow God's timing, we're missing it. And I think the same can apply to us as a church right here in Johnson City. I mean, our command from Jesus is no different than the, than the disciples here. Our command is no different than Acts 1a. Our command is no different than Matthew 28. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't still say, wait for things. 
God still says, wait for me to act. And as, as a church, I think we need to be very cautious not to try to outrun God, try to, to run out in front of him. I was thinking this week about different times that have felt like holding patterns in the life of our church. I mean, it's waiting for God to answer a specific prayer. Waiting for God to, to bring people to our church. Waiting for funds to fix a roof. Waiting for toilets to, for stuff to stay down. Wait, waiting for God to open the doors of this ministry or that ministry. Like there's been lots of times of waiting. But even in the times of waiting, God is, is building his church. He's building this church right here in this room. But it's so, been so clear that during the, all of this right now, that what he's building is not just this room. But God is building the church. His followers, those that, that are his. And he's doing something very unique. But we as the church must be very careful to wait on God. Have you ever done this? Have you ever been tempted just to, to run out ahead? Where God is clearly saying, wait. Wait for me. But it's hard. I think this can be a snare for us as individuals, for us as a church. Because is, is this not what the Pharisees and religious leaders had done? Like they had done this with Judaism, right? They built their own set of laws, their own set of rules that went beyond Scripture. Instead of waiting for a Messiah to come and provide salvation, they had built their own system that was built on human merit. Like they had built a religion, but they had missed the Messiah. And I think that we need to hear this because we need to learn to wait well, to wait for God to act. <laughs> there's, there's a reason why this series is not called 10 Ways How We Can Grow Our Church. Like, there's probably a book out there with that title. But this is God building the church. Ten ways that God builds his church. And we must learn to wait well. And just speaking about waiting, like, have you noticed how many times in Scripture, how many times in Acts, the disciples are put into places where they're forced to wait? It's not just Acts 1. Think about how many times they're in prison. Like, Acts 5, Acts 12, Acts 16, Acts 21. Like, basically the last seven chapters in Acts are Paul in prison. And it's almost as if God was continuing to put his followers in places where they would be required to wait on him. Because nowhere in the imprisonment, nowhere when they're in prison, are they doing things on the, by themselves. Like, God is having to come in and rescue them. I want to just show you two examples of this. And one in Acts 5 and one in Acts 12. I'm going to read these examples. Look at Acts 5, 17 through 20. It says, But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Now look at Acts 12, those verse 5 and 7. So, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers and bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. 
He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the, change, and the chains fell off his hands. Like in both of these examples, the disciples were completely passive. They were forced to wait. But we see God show up in a mighty way. Like if you look at another example, it says the foundation of the prisons of the prison was shaken. Like this was clearly God acting when the disciples were in a forced waiting time. God was still acting. Like I don't know if you're catching on yet or not, but the people of God forced into waiting periods appears to be an integral part of God's plan to build his church. Like this is God ordained waiting. God ordained waiting. Because this is waiting because God either commands it or he puts people in a place where they have to wait. But this is countercultural, right? This is different than how the world operates. Like, remember, we're talking about the establishment of the church. This is an institution that has been around for, for like two millennia that's proclaiming the good news of the gospel. But it all started with this command to wait. I've, honestly, I've never taken a business class. I, I took one economics class in college, but I don't think that necessarily counts. But I can guarantee, almost guarantee you, again, I haven't taken a class, but this is not the first step to a successful business plan, to wait. What do you what do? You, do? You, you canvass the area, you research business practices, or you, maybe you perfect your, your product. But I've never heard of a plan <coughs> with a step one of wait. But again, we're, we're just getting started here. We're just getting started through this journey through the book of Acts. But the way that God is going to build his church is different. It's different than how the world operates. It's different how man would have done it. It's not going to be on human achievement. It's not going to be on, on merit. It's not going to be on effort. But the church is going to be built by the power of God, through his Holy Spirit, and upon the cornerstone of a risen Savior. Like, this is radical. This is different than the world operates. But again, I say all this because we are awful, generally awful at waiting. Like, I know this is not a universal statement, and I don't want to speak for you, but I know how true this is of myself. And just right now, I mean, I can only imagine what some of us are waiting for. Maybe an end to this quarantine, an end to this stay-at-home order. We're just waiting, waiting for a return to normalcy. Maybe you're just waiting for school to open again. The parents and the kids might feel this way differently, but this waiting for schools to open. And then we get that bad news this week. Maybe you're waiting to be hired. Maybe you're waiting for a job to be able to provide for yourself and, and your family. Maybe right now you're waiting to get out of this season of life. Maybe you're just waiting for this part to end. You want to be done with this. Maybe you're waiting for God to heal. Maybe it's physical healing. Maybe it's spiritual healing. Maybe it's healing from some kind of past pain and hurt and trauma. Maybe you're waiting for sanctification. You're waiting 
for God to change you in a specific way. You're waiting to grow past this one sin. You're waiting to, to mature. You're waiting. Maybe it's a relationship you're waiting for. You're waiting for that future husband, that future wife, and you've waited for so long. You're waiting. What a, and as a church, we wait. Maybe we wait for more people to join us at the church. Maybe we wait for this ministry or that ministry, but we feel like we just can't move forward. Maybe it's you in a church waiting to find the community that you're longing for. Like, I, I don't know what this is in your own heart. Like Waiting can be incredibly difficult. And I realize that waiting is often full of pain. It's full of heartache. And I don't want to downplay this. But listen, God actively works in the waiting. God actively works in the waiting. Now listen, I didn't say that God is waiting to work. It's different. God is working in the waiting. <coughs> Remember all those examples I gave earlier? Joseph, Abraham, Israelites, Paul in jail. Like all these different examples of, of people waiting. Think about Joseph. He ended up in jail. Remember, he, he did no, done nothing wrong. He had fled temptation. He had done nothing wrong. But it's easy to miss what God was doing while Joseph was forced into waiting. You see, God was preparing a famine to come. God had Joseph safe in prison while he was preparing all these other things. But he was preparing a perfect situation for Joseph to be a ruler in Egypt. You see, God was active in Joseph's waiting. Like, fast forward to, to Paul being in jail. Like, yeah, he was forced into all these times of waiting. But through Paul's suffering, through Paul's waiting, he got to proclaim the gospel and as he repeatedly told his story. He was in front of kings. He was in front of emperors. He was in front of other prisoners. He was constantly put in places through his waiting, through his imprisonment, where he could share the gospel. Like, God was working in Paul's waiting. When Paul was seemingly stuck in a certain situation. But now, think about Acts. Acts 1, the disciples. He said, God, Jesus says, wait. Wait for me to act. And shortly after, he's going to follow through with his promise to send the Holy Spirit. Lead into next week. God's going to send the Holy Spirit. But what happens we see, we're going to see that Peter's going to stand up and preach to thousands of people. But it's easy to miss. It's easy to miss what God was doing in the waiting. Because you see, that we see thousands of people gathered, but as you, if you study a little bit more and you look into this, there would have been Jews from every nation there in Jerusalem to, to celebrate the Feast of Weeks. Like, what we see is that in the waiting, God was gathering the nations. While the disciples were waiting, maybe not knowing why they were waiting, God was bringing the nations to Jerusalem. Where we're going to see next week, there's people from every nation hearing it with all kinds of different languages, and they're all going to start hearing this gospel proclaimed. What we see is that God was waiting 
God was working in this waiting to bring this perfect situation to save thousands of people. God was working in the waiting. Like church, this, this God that works in the waiting is still God today. Like he's not absent in the waiting. He's not absent in the waiting. God is actively working in your waiting. Actively working in your waiting. I, I wish I could stand up here and say, this is all the exact ways that God is working in your waiting. I wish I could. I, I cannot. Like, God's ways are a mystery in so many situations. Like I can't give you that. But what might God be doing right now as we're f- forced to be socially distant from others? Could he be stirring in us a restlessness, a growing desire for gospel community? Could he be showing this to us and to billions of others in a very real way what our only hope is? That we need more than just a physical cure from COVID-19. Could he be stirring us to realize this? Maybe you're waiting for God to get you out of a current situation or you're just longing, you're waiting for God to change your situation. Maybe those good things just seem out of reach. But could right now, could he be showing you that he is the ultimately the only one who's satisfying? Could he be showing you what is the best thing before he gives you the good things? Because he doesn't want you to miss the best thing. Because he is more satisfying. Maybe it's sanctification that you're longing for, that you're waiting for. And honestly, I've, I've felt this in my own life so much recently. So much recently. I felt like, God, why is this still a struggle? Why can't I be mature like this person? Why, why, can't you, why don't you just grow me and change me? But whether or not you feel it, God is doing it. Like he is going to follow through on his promise of Philippians 1, 6, where he says, He who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. Like God is working even in our waiting. Is it, is it healing you're waiting for? <coughs> Maybe spiritual healing. Healing from, from the ways you've been sinned against or healing from past trauma. I, I don't know what that is for you. But God often works in ways. Not that we look to yesterday and say, man, God changed me in all these ways. But God, while we're waiting, often works in ways that we look back 5 or 10 or 15 years and say, man, what was God doing? Look what he did. Look what he did to me. Like this morning, as we just begin our journey through Acts, I hope this is preparing us. Because God is a God who works in the waiting periods. And I believe that many times, what God is doing in the waiting, maybe is we're longing for the next thing. We're longing for change. We're longing for something. Is that God is stirring our affections. He's, he's stirring our, our love for Him. And, and we are learning how dependent we are on Him. Look at Acts 1.12. Back to Acts 1. I just want to show you one last thing here. What were, the, this, what were these people doing as they waited? 
in this forced waiting period. Verse 12 says, Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath stayed journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. What did waiting look like for them? All these, with one accord, devoting themselves to prayer. Like, they didn't know exactly what the future was going to hold. They probably didn't know how much life was going to change for them in Acts 2. But they, they might not even fully understood the empowering that was coming. But in their waiting, in their anticipation, in this holding pattern, they spent this in communion with God. Like, are we, do we wait this way? Do we wait and, and listen for him to speak? Or in our waiting, are we so impatient trying to force his hand, trying to run ahead, or are we willing to wait and listen for what he's doing? Like, that's been hard for me to hear this week as I, as I look at this. Like, as I've been waiting, as we wait, are we listening? Or are we trying to always fix? Are we trying to always do? Are we trying to find a way out of our, the place God has us? Or are we waiting well? going to God in prayer, listening to what he would have us do. Again, I don't know where you are, what waiting means for you right now. And I know that waiting can be full of hurt, of anxiety, of pain, and a slew of other emotions. But hear this. Like Jesus, he knows your pain. He knows how hard this is. He knows this hurt. Like, we're just coming out of Easter, where we celebrate a risen Savior, whose scripture says it knows our pain. He knows our re the rejection we might feel. He knows our sorrow. He knows our agony. He knows our temptation. But, like, if you want an example of God working in the waiting, think about the Saturday before Easter. Like, even in the waiting of Saturday, the sorrow that that was, the hurt that that was for everyone involved, like, Sunday was coming. We say that all the time. Like, on, on, during Easter time, Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming. Sunday is coming was God working in the waiting. He knows your pain. He died. He rose again so that you might have hope in the midst of all these feelings that are welling up inside of you. He died to eternally save you. Everything this world can offer, the physical healing from COVID-19, any kind of medical answer, any kind of things going on, these are all temporary. But what God is doing in your heart during this, this waiting is eternal. He's not finished with you yet. We're, we're just beginning. We're just beginning Acts. But before we start running ahead, because God's going to do incredible things 
through Acts. We're going to see over and over these, these huge shows of his power and what he's empowering the church to do. But if we don't first realize that God is working even in the moments of the stillness, even in the waiting, like God is building his church. He's doing this in a season of quarantine. He's doing this in a season of distance. He's doing this while we do this over Zoom. He's doing this in incredible ways. Like God is building his church. God is active in our waiting. Let's pray.